0: Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. I'm Tim Blevins, lead pastor, and I'm honored you have come to join us. To experience our full service or for more information, check out the links in the description. I hope this message ministers to you and helps you find life in Jesus. I've been told to introduce myself. I'm Ron McGee. And before I get started, I know I have a certain number of minutes. Oh, gracious. I was going to say it showed I had a minute and a half left. But, uh, you know, the good thing about Second Service is if I go over a little bit, it just means when you get to the restaurant that the Baptists, the Methodists, and the Presbyterians have already gone home and you don't have to wait for a table. Um, I I just want to say something on behalf of my wife and me, and I think I can probably speak for all of the other people who've come here from Rock Church. And if you're not familiar with how that happened, just ask somebody. But I just want to thank pastors Tim and Harriet and the whole ministry staff and the whole church for making us feel so much at home when we came. And... um, this, uh, this is a great church, and we're honored to be a part of it, and um, I just wanted to say that. Um, um, Eli mentioned something about grandchildren, and, um, you know, my, um, my, my wife and I have five grandchildren, and I've learned something through that. That grandchildren are the reward we get for not having killed our teenagers. <clears throat> and um, sitting at the sitting at the table one night with all of our family there, and um, um, we um, we had um, a, a conversation going on. I don't remember how it started, but it was about how many children. My son and his wife and my daughter and her husband were going to have. And my son and daughter-in-law had three boys, and, and we only… Uh, our daughter had one son. And um, I said to them, I said, you know, you all know we've never interfered in your affairs. We're not meddling parents and parents-in-law. And how many children you have is a very personal decision that you have to make. And I'll just make one comment, and I'll never bring the subject up again. Whichever one of you gives me the most grandchildren will get the largest inheritance. <clears throat> well, when, um, when our daughter was pregnant with her second child, she allowed me to be in the delivery room when Riley's born. Riley, stand up. Let everybody see my beautiful granddaughter. This is Riley. Riley Lyric Printy And um, as soon as Riley was born, Abby looked up at me and said, Dad, one little girl's worth two little boys were tied. (laughs) One other thing now, you know, I'm really not here as a stand-up comic, but I do say some funny things. And, and I want to tell you something. I, I want to say to all of the Rock Church folks who are here today, many years ago I noticed when I was preaching, I'd see people doing this. And I asked my wife, I said, what are they doing? He said, that's how many times they've heard the same story. <laughs> so I'm just saying this because if y'all start doing it and they don't understand, they're going to think y'all are crazy. I'm going to preach fast today, got lots of scriptures that will not be on the screens. I want to encourage you to take notes, and um, if you do not have something to take notes with, I want you to get that, that Life Church pen that was there in your seat. I want you to roll up your sleeve, and I want to write you to write the scripture references of all of the, the scriptures I read right here on your forearm, because when you get home, you need to research them and apply them in your life. But um, I want to talk to you today about being free, about freedom. I want to talk to you about how we can live free every day of our life, regardless of the circumstances we may be facing. Jesus made the most powerful statement in the Bible about freedom. It's recorded in John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said... You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If there are things that you're wrestling with, if you're struggling with things in your life, I want to tell you that I have the key to how you can be set free from those things. Truth will set you free. There are four things we need every day for us to experience freedom in the best of times And in the worst of times, if we neglect any one of these, it will jeopardize our freedom. But each of these four things must be applied in our lives every day. Number one, we need a Savior. His name is Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and I am the what? What? truth. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth. Our first step to freedom is to confess our sins and to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. At the end of my message today, someone's going to come and give you an opportunity To surrender your life to Jesus and make him your Savior, to wipe away all the sins you've ever committed in your life. Somebody's going to give you an opportunity to do that, and that will be the most important decision you will ever make in your whole life. But when we accept Jesus as our Savior, that does not mean that we're not going to have tests and trials. But when Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection... He became our great high priest where he intercedes for us with God every day. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, this scripture's not on the screen, so you write it down. Romans 8, 34, Paul said, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding. For us, You know what Jesus is doing today? He's interceding for you. He's interceding for me. On our worst day, Jesus is interceding for us. When we've made the biggest mess in our lives, Jesus is interceding for us. When the doctor gives us an alarming diagnosis, Jesus is interceding for us. Number two, we need a word from God every day. Now, if you're hearing a lot of words with these ears, you need to get, go see a doctor and get some pills for that because God does... God, now, have, has God ever spoken to people in an audible voice? Yes, he has. I remember when God spoke to me in an audible voice two different times in two days when if he had not spoken to me, my life would have ended. But we can hear from God every day. We need a word from God every day. It is called the Bible. It's the greatest book ever written. 66 books written over 1,600 years by 40 authors, 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, translated in 704 languages. The New Testament by itself has been translated in 1,551 languages, over 6,000,000,000 copies of the Bible have been printed and distributed and every year they have to print another 100 million Bibles. That, that takes the Koran, that takes the, 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 the Chairman Mao's uh, thoughts, it takes them and shoves them to the sideline. The Bible is the Word of God and it's the greatest book ever been written. One of the most important chapters in the Bible is Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. I believe it's one of the most important. I read it often, many times during the year. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. It has 176 verses. And from beginning to end, the whole chapter acknowledges and declares the importance of God's Word being applied in our lives every day. The 160th verse of Psalm 119 says, The entirety of your word is truth. Jesus said when he was praying to his heavenly father in John 17 17, he said, Father, your word is truth. The Bible is something you need to read every day. My wife and I do that. We get up. Right around 6 o'clock, 6 05 every morning, that's our internal alarm clock. We don't need an alarm clock to wake us up. I slip out of our bedroom and go into my office on the other end of the house and I get this book and I sit down to read. My wife gets in her very comfortable recliner in our bedroom and she gets her Bible to read. We read it and read it and read it and read it and read it. I've long lost count of how many times I've read the Bible all the way through, but I am at a point where I feel safe not reading through all of the genealogies. If you were here the first time I preached, remember, I taught you how to properly pronounce the names in all those genealogies. You fake it. And somebody will say, "I always wondered how you pronounce that name." But we get our Bibles, and we read. I had a Bible just like this. I read it until I wore the the covers off. the pages were coming out of it I sent it off to a company that all they do is rebind bibles and had it rebound and then I wore it out again I gave that bible to my son when he became the senior pastor at Rock Church and and it had all of the notes in the margins, everything that was underlined, everything that was highlighted. But I had gone through and transferred that to another Bible, just like that first Bible, and I gave that eventually to my oldest grandchild who was going off to school. I transferred all of that into this Bible and I still, it amazes me, I still find things that I need to underline and highlight and jot out in the margins because if you will cherish this book, it'll get past your head down into your spirit and you will love the gift you have of a book like this that you can read every day and learn about every good thing God wants to do in your life. The Bible is not a road map that leads us to heaven. Some folks think, well, this is a road map. God gave us this so we'd know how to get to heaven. No, God gave us this book so we'd know how to get through the day. God gave us this book so we would know how to live according to His purposes every day. If you find yourself... Frequently being heavenly minded, I want to tell you that's a detriment to you. I want to live my life to the fullest. I know when I want to die. When I have finished everything God put me on this earth to do, I don't want to die a day before and I don't want to die a day after. When when my time here is over and finished, I want to leave this body and go be with my heavenly Father. But until then, I'm going to keep reading this book. I heard about a country preacher that was all always trying to get the congregation fired up before he started to preach. He came up to the pulpit and he said, everybody wants to go to heaven. Jump up and shout yes. And everybody shouted yes. But he noticed a little boy sitting on the front row that didn't get up. When the noise died down, he said, son, don't you want to go to heaven when you die? He said, yes, sir, but I thought you was getting up a load to go now. (laughs) The Bible is not a first aid kit where we run to find a quick band-aid to fix the mess that we've made. The Bible is a manual that teaches us how to apply God's Word every day, in every circumstance, in every area of our lives. Now, I want to tell you something about this book. This book has no power in it. You can put it under your pillow at night and sleep on it, and all you'll get is a trip to the chiropractor. (laughs) This book is onion skin paper and leather binding. Set it on fire. It'll burn like any other book. Pastor Ron, that sounds, that, that sounds sacrilegious. That, that, that's, that sounds horrible. This is, it says right here, it is the Holy Bible. Oh, you know when it becomes the Holy Bible? It, has, it, it becomes the Holy Bible. When I get it off the page, into my brain, down into my spirit, and declared with my mouth, and lived out in my life, then there is no more powerful book in the world to draw from. If you want to live free, you need to read this book tomorrow morning. At about 6 o'clock, I'm going to, I'm going to read some more. I'll have my highlighter in my hand. I'll have my little ruler in my hand because I have no artistic skills. I can draw a straight line if I have a ruler in my hand. But I'll underline things. I'll jot things in the margin because I am as hungry to learn from this book as I have ever been in all of my life. To enjoy life of freedom, we must consistently read this book again and again and again until it gets planted in our mind in our spirit, in our life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know what this is about, separating soul and spirit? I've heard a lot of people pray a lot of soulish prayers, coming out of their emotions. Listen, You don't need to pray soulish prayers. You need to pray prayers that align, that are perfectly aligned with everything God has taught us in his word. Back in Psalms 119.11, the writer of Psalms says, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You know, the more I read this book, the more strength I get about living right, overcoming, being who God created me to be. In verse 105 of Psalm 119, the writer said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. The third thing we need is we need Holy Spirit. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. Listen, if you've taken notes, write that down. When we surrender our life to Christ, Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. In us. When Jesus ascended back to heaven after his resurrection, he promised his disciples that he would ask the Father to send them another comforter, another counselor, another helper. He was talking about Holy Spirit. John 14, verses 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, Jesus said, I'll ask the Father, and He'll give you another counselor to be with you for how long? Forever. I'd write that down. He will be in me forever. He will be in me until I take my last breath in in this life. He will be with you forever. The spirit of what? Of truth. And what will truth do? It will set you free. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you you. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, but the counselor, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. I'm telling you, people think, well, the Bible says that if I'll just have faith, God will give me anything I ask for. Well, how did it go with you with the $1.3 billion (laughs) jackpot? Did it work? No, I'm, I'm going to show you in a minute. If you want God to answer your prayers, you've got to align your prayers with God's plan and God's purpose. But Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. There have been times I don't know I didn't know how to pray. A number of years ago, my wife had surgery at Duke University to remove. Uh, Something in the upper lobe of her left lung that doctors did not know what it was. And when they went in, they found it had a deadly carcinoid cancer in it that is hardly ever found until it spread all through the body. And they had to take out the whole upper lobe of her left lung. I want to tell you my faith wasn't real strong that day. I cried. They put her in an intensive care unit, but they let me sit by her bed that first night. Every time she breathed, she groaned. I waged warfare. I interceded. I rebuked. I claimed. I laid, oh, and I just sat there, and I was thinking, God, God, do something for me, and I heard a voice, not here, but in my spirit, said, you need to move from warfare to worship. Very quietly, I just began to worship God. I began to declare how faithful God had been to us. In case, in case you hadn't figured it out, it didn't kill her because she's sitting right there past, behind Pastor Tim. That's my sweetheart. She's been my wife for 52 years, my sweetheart for 53 That's why I grow all those roses for her. And if you see me with, with, with blood marks, it's because if you grow roses, you're going to get stuck. But Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 28 says, The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself. Where's the Spirit himself? He's not up there in heaven. He's in here. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express, and he who searches the hearts and minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. Okay, let me, let me, let me get the math right here now. Uh, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and what's he doing? He's interceding for us. Holy Spirit is where? He's in here, and what's he doing? He is interceding to the Father with Jesus for you and for me. Fourth thing we need is we need a powerful holy spirit led prayer life based on the word of God. Prayer's communication with our heavenly father. It includes thanksgiving, praise, worship, petition, declarations, faith. In Psalm 92 verses 1 and 2 it says, "It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O most high, to proclaim in your, your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Listen, if all you've got is 15 minutes of prayer time set aside every day, you're not praying enough. You don't have to stop, go somewhere, and, and, and uh, uh, have your own little personal prayer meeting. I, I, I come from a Pentecostal background that, that the thought was, the louder you pray, the more powerful is your prayer. And I found out that was not true. Because I used to get up before my wife and slip out and go to another part of the house. And then I was taught that if you're really anointed when you're praying, you're praying loud. And so I'd pray loud and it'd wake her up. But you know my wife taught me how to slip out of the bedroom and still talk to God without waking her up. She did. She taught me how. That's right. I I still do that. When I get to my desk, I don't start praying loud. I... I whisper. Listen, you don't need to pray loud. Norma's battled some tremendous things in her body. She's battled two different kinds of cancer in her body. And, and so many people in our church prayed for her, and we prayed. And, and both of us, if you, if, if you were to look at this from just a medical point of view, uh, we ought to have been dead a long time ago, but we're alive. But one lady came to her one day and said, you want to know why you're not getting healed? You're not praying loud enough. Yes, you did. I want to tell you that's not true. It's not true. We need to pray. First John 5, 14, 15, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything how according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we, what we have asked of Him. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to run back through what I've just preached to you and help us grasp it. I want us to walk us... Back through how to live in freedom every day. Number one, Jesus is truth, and the truth sets us free. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth. Number two, the Bible is the truth, and the truth sets free. You want to know how to have a a successful marriage? Read the manual. It's in Genesis 2, Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 13. Ephesians and Colossians. You want to know how to raise godly children? It's in the manual. Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter 11, Psalm 78. Do you want to know how to be blessed in every area of your life? Read the manual. It's in Deuteronomy 28. And if you read the first 14 verses, it'll tell you how to be blessed in your life. And if you want to know how to thoroughly screw up your life, read the rest of the chapter. You want to know how to prosper financially? Read the manual. It's in Malachi chapter 3. Number 3, Holy Spirit is the truth, and the truth sets us free. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit is with us forever abides with us and in us and here's something that most people have never grasped before but it has become more real to me in the last several weeks as I've just been in the presence of the Lord Holy Spirit when He comes to dwell in us for as long as we live He brings with Him incredible fruit and gifts Say, well, I've got an anger problem and I just can't get over it. My daddy was an angry man and I'm an angry man. There's nothing I can do. You haven't read the manual because Holy Spirit will give you peace and patience and gentleness and self-control. Had a man and his wife come to counseling for me many years ago in Florida and every time... Every once in a while, he'd get mad, and he would slap her, grab her by her hair, yank her around, bruise her. Sometimes she couldn't come to church till the bruises went away. And, and she said, I can't handle this anymore. And I said, why don't you stop? I can't stop. I said, yes, you can. He said, I can't. I've tried. I said, no, you haven't. I said, you have a job? Yes, sir. What's your boss's name? He told me, I said, Does he ever irritate you all the time? Have you slapped him around, pulled his hair? (laughs) You need to reach way down in there and say to Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't have any peace. I don't have any self-control. I don't have any gentleness. But you brought that with you in Holy Spirit. I'm going to trust you to begin to manifest that. Then I'm going to get in my Bible, and I'm going to look for everything this my, my manual says about peace, about patience, about kindness, about goodness. He brings spiritual gifts. You find those fruits listed in Galatians chapter 5. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you find nine gifts Holy Spirit has with him that he dispenses. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, a language you can speak in that you don't know what you're saying, but it is a gift given by Holy Spirit so that when you don't know how to pray, you can pray in that language, and it's a perfect prayer to pray to God. Number four, Pray often every day. Pray the Word of God. Declare the Scriptures when you pray. Pray in faith based on what you've learned in the Bible. Ask Holy Spirit to release His fruits and gifts in you as you pray. Ask Holy Spirit to pray for you when you do not know how to pray. So where are we? Our Savior is truth. And He will set us free from every sin we've ever committed. God's Word is truth, and it will teach us how to live in freedom every day. Holy Spirit is truth, and he will lead us, guide us, teach us, and empower us every day. And when we pray the Scriptures, and when we pray in Holy Spirit, our prayer becomes truth. I want to share a simple example with you today. When Norm and I married, she was gripped with fear. I rented a little two-bedroom frame house. Cost $50 a month fully furnished when we got married. And she could not be in the kitchen if I wasn't in her line of sight. She was l- gripped with fear. The first time we flew on an airplane, she sat by me and she clawed my arm till it bled she could hardly breathe gripped tormented by fear she inherited that from her mother her mother was a fearful person her mother worried about everything one day norma was having her morning devotions and she came across the scripture if you're plagued with fear, write this down. 1 John chapter 4 verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear. And Holy Spirit blew that thing up till it was bigger than life. That day Norma purposed in her heart to love God more than she had ever loved him until fear was driven out of her life. Norma's no longer gripped with fear, though she still squeals when she sees a roach. (laughs) I have rescued my damsel in distress more times than I can remember. Flashwater, newspaper, whatever I can find. Several years after we moved to Wilmington and founded Rock Church, Norma's mother gave her a little yellow book that Norma's father had given to her mother on November the 12th, 1946. It was titled, Quit Worrying, and Norma said, Mother, can I have that book? And she said, Yes. She brought it home. She brought that book home. She read it, and then she kept it on her desk at the church. Every day, that little yellow book was on her desk. And that was a reminder to her that she had been delivered from fear, delivered from worry. On October 31st of 1990, our Rock Church facility was totally destroyed in a fire. We were in a neighborhood with no fire hydrants, so it took 15 fire trucks, 11 hours to put the f- fire out, and everything, nearly everything was destroyed. The big steel beams and trusses were twisted like pretzels. Computer systems literally melted from the heat. Later in the day, after the fire was put out and it started right after midnight, and after it had cooled in, down enough, somebody came by and brought us six industrial-size lanterns and just left them with us, said, I don't need them. You'll need them when you go in. We went in to try to salvage what we, we could. Norma and I, in that church and in the church we built on Sidbury Road, always had a joining office with the doors open between us. I was in my office going through things. I had, I had work that had, that had been lost. I had 20, 21 years of ministry, library, all, all destroyed. It wasn't from flam- flames. It was from thousands of ga- gallons of water. Norma's at her desk, one of the men in the church there, who is now a member of this church, Richard Holloman, was with Norma with the lantern. And I hear Norma saying. Ronnie, come here, come here. What is it, Norma? Come here, Ronnie, come here, come here, come here. And I ran in there. Everything on her desk was soaked and ruined with water. Except for this. Dry then as it is today a little bit of smoking around the edge so somebody would believe that I didn't make this story up. But this little yellow book said to her, because you love me enough to trust me enough, you don't need to worry about anything. I was standing back there After first service, just saying, Lord, is there anything else I need to say? And the Lord said this to me, and I want to share it with you. You you might want to write this down, put it on a post-it note and put it on your mirror. My circumstances do not alter my faith. My faith alters my circumstances. I have seen God do miracle after miracle after. If you've never seen a miracle, first of all, the biggest miracle you'll ever see or experience is when Jesus in a moment takes all your sin and buries them in a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. But I've seen miracles. I'm a living miracle. My wife's a living miracle. Both of our children almost died but God intervened supernaturally and spared their lives before they could ever be brought home from a hospital. I want you to know, if you get this book in your brain, down into your spirit, declared with your mouth, and applied with your actions, it will sustain you on the most difficult day of your life. Would you bow your heads, please? Simple question. If there's something you're battling with, if it's fear, if it's shame, if it's guilt, if it's anger, if it's something that's weighting you down and you want to be free, I want to do? Ask you to do one simple thing. Would you raise your hand? Yes, yes, all over the house. Yes. I'm telling you. You weave these four things into your life every day, and that thing that has weighed you down, maybe most of your life, cannot stay. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hands. And for those here who didn't lift their hands because this is all new to them, but they're struggling. I thank you that the bondages of addictions will be torn down. I thank you that shame will be removed. I thank you, Father, that everything, the fear of of diseases, of of, of inherited diseases, I thank you, Father, that you're the healer, you're the deliverer, you are the provider, and the more we trust you, the more the shekels of bondage will be destroyed. I bless everyone in this house to be free. In Jesus' name, amen.